Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 394. Our cruise stories continue this week with a back-to-back cruise on Allure of the Seas. Back-to-backs are always a lot of fun, and this week, Teresa shares with us her first time doing a back-to-back cruise. Here we go. When it comes to telling a Royal Caribbean cruise story, there's only one way to beat a Royal Caribbean cruise story, and that is a back-to-back, two cruises, Royal Caribbean cruise story. And that's exactly what we've got on tap for this week's episode. Teresa Miller is joining us to talk to her, talk to us about her back-to-back cruise on Allure of the Seas. Teresa, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Well, it's so exciting to be here after listening to so many other stories. Absolutely. I'm glad you're able to uh, join us here and share your story and you know, I, I took a long time to do my first back-to-back cruise, but once I did it, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So uh, talk to us. Where are we going? Where, where should I set the coordinates for the time machine this week? Well, let's see. One week we did the Eastern Caribbean. The next week was Western. And the first one started on February 17th, 2019. Ah, nice. And uh, this was on a Allure of the Seas. Yep. So what made you choose this sailing and why do a back-to-back? Well, we have cruised a lot with another cruise line (gasps) and have really gotten, so we really like those 10 to 14 day plus sailings. So seven day cruise just sounded like, that's so short, but (laughs) a friend and I decided that it's February. We're from Michigan. And why not go on a cruise with a purpose? And there was a group that was doing machine embroidery classes during the cruise. And so that's kind of how we ended up on the Allure because it was there. We, I, or my husband and I had cruised Royal Caribbean um, back in the 90s. We cruised to Hawaii, but have, you know, hadn't been back. So as I'm looking at this, it was like, wow, that is quite the ship. And that's kind of how I found you because I was doing my research. How many times have you told us to research your cruises? That's right. And um, having not sailed on Royal Caribbean in years and certainly not an Oasis-class ship before. And the more we looked into it, it was like, gosh, this is all the stuff my husband would like to do. So we made plans for him and actually then my parents joined us for the second week but the first week was really cool and they had projects every day while we were at sea and they actually ship all the machines and all the supplies and everything and on the third deck aft there is a huge classroom and so we spent a whole lot of time sewing and making different projects in our classes. That's fantastic. It's always nice to have kind of, uh, well, I, as I always joke that I really don't need much of an excuse to go on a cruise, but when you have, <laughs> but listen, every little bit helps, right? Whatever the, the motivation may be. And, uh, that sounds like a, what, you know, that, that sounds like a really fun kind of, uh, of, of experience there. So, um, so you booked the back-to-back sailing because, again, you wanted the you know seven nights. That's like a weekend, right? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> had you done a back-to-back before? No, I we hadn't ever done that. Most of the cruises have been ten to fourteen days, mm-hmm. and so it was like, well, so then kind of began my investigation of how does a back-to-back work? Now with Carol and I, we chose 
um, to go as cheaply as possible. Mm -hmm. And when you're with one of these classes, you're kind of paying for all your instructors to come. So I'm kind of a bargain basement cruise shopper. And this wasn't the bargain basement price that I was used to because it was covering so many other people's cruises. Mm. But we still had, you know, we learned a lot. The machines were incredible. You know, that part of it was really cool. But we just chose an inside stateroom. And she had never cruised other than a river cruise. And it's like, we're never going to be in the room. We're either going to be in the classroom, we'll go into port, or, you know, we'll be up on deck. And it truly is how it worked out that week. We were seldom in the stateroom. Uh, though we did have a lot of problems trying to figure out the lights. Uh, we really like there's an ambient light in the interior rooms um, if you leave that switch alone. But we would hit it in the dark by accident, and it was a mess. But we enjoyed saving our money to do other things and having, you know, that inside stateroom. But when my husband came, we were definitely going to do a balcony. Remember the good old days when the biggest problem we had was the location of the light switch and getting it all to work. That was, a <laughs> that, that was really the, <laughs> I miss those days. <laughs> nice. Well, it sounds like a great opportunity to go on the cruise and, um, it, and, uh, where did you, by the way, I don't even know where you're coming down from. Are you from the area? Do oh, you drive? Why? Mich- we're from Michigan. So, you know, we left about a foot of snow and sub zero temperatures. It was like, you know, mid February, this is a no brainer to go on a cruise to get, you know, go enjoy some warm and sunshine and that we were able to do. Oh, I and love going so, on, you know, we, I was going to say, I, I love going on uh, cruises in February. It's one of my favorite times to get, yes. to get away. Cause the holidays are over. Like the novelty of winter has worn off and now you need a break. Yep. Well, and in mid Michigan, we have mostly cloudy days. Mm. It's something to do with the way the lakes are. Um, that we have only a few days of sunshine all winter long. So an excuse to get out of Michigan and go find sunshine, it doesn't take much arm twisting to make that happen. (laughs) Nice. So we ended up, you know, taking the normal uh, pro cruiser advice and flew down the day early and stayed at an Airbnb. And the allure was going out of Miami at the time that, uh, we sailed on her and it was just so easy that next morning to take an Uber right to the dock at 10 o'clock. And we were on the ship by 11 and just wandering around. And it was like, Oh my word, this is just so incredible. Again, having not been on an Oasis class ship before it was, um, quite a lot of fun to wander around. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you mentioned that you had done other cruise lines before. So not only are you coming to an Oasis class, which is obviously it li- literally and figuratively in a class by itself. But how was that experience coming from? Had you been on Royal Caribbean before at all? Um, one time, and I'd have to actually go back and look up. I was thinking it was Monarch of the Seas that they just recently got rid of or majesty majesty yep. it was it was a, f- a fairly small ship even then um i remember being docked next to another royal caribbean ship and we were much smaller so um but again it had been well over 20 years and 
you know, cruising has changed a lot in that time. Sure. So what did you, so going back to the original question, I guess, then what did you think about going on an Oasis clash? How did it stack up to your experience before that? Well, I have to admit, I was really impressed with just all the things to do on the ship. Um, now, for the first week, they had uh, the My Time Dining, and I had never done that. We've always had set dining. I have to admit, after doing both, I still like the set dining, but, you know, there's pros and cons to it. Yeah. I, 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 but... Um, I, I, I was just going to say that I, I like that as well. I prefer the more the traditional dining. That's what I started off with. I think um, to some extent that may play a factor into it, but it's nice to you know change it up a little bit every now and then. Yeah, we had problems with the service a couple of times when we did the My Time. Now, with a group, after we got to know each other, a lot of times there would be a bunch of us, you know, would all go down together to eat. Um and so, you know, it was fun to, you know, be with part of the group, you know, outside the classroom when it was easier just to chat. But, you know, through all my research, um, we actually, you know, did not go to the uh, main buffet, but we went up to the solarium for lunch. And that was so peaceful. Um, there weren't the crowds up there. It was easy to get through. And that actually kind of became our go-to lunch spot because of the fact that we could eat a lighter lunch and usually it would do, you know, salad bar and then uh, be able to put, you know, half chicken breast on it to get my protein and that sort of thing and really helped um, not gain that pound a day when you're on a cruise ship. Absolutely. And I love the Solarium Bistro. It's a great venue, vastly underrated for a long time. People told me about it. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. And I'm, I regret not going there sooner. It's such a great spot. I love it for breakfast. That's my favorite go-to spot because you can get a full breakfast. You can get your omelets or what have you sit down, but it's not nearly as busy as the Windjammer. And it yeah. is, um, and it offers such a great variety as well. Yeah, that's what we certainly found the whole two weeks that we were up there that I say it was primarily our lunch spot um, and very seldom was it hard to find a place to eat. That's kind of been my complaint with um, the Windjammer. Um, many times when we would go there, you know, we'd get our food and there was no place to sit down. And I have a love-hate relationship with buffets anyway, but that's the biggest reason. Yep. That makes total sense. I mean, it's, 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 like I said, it's, it's, the, the entrees are sit down, but you can serve yourself as in the appetizers. But it's I think a lot of people just simply don't know it exists and they completely overlook it. And it is a great choice for any meal. Um, and it, I love it. So um, definitely a, a great choice to, to dine on. I'm glad you enjoyed that as well. And, you know, you mentioned how much there was to do on board or something that struck you about the Oasis class. And that extends not only just, you know, activities, but also dining as well. So many choices. I love having choices. Well, yeah, that's kind of how we all live these days. Lots of choices and um, lots of things to take advantage of. Absolutely. It was very different for me, the fact that we couldn't get into our cabin right away. Um, we're used to, you know, being able to go to the cabin, just dump our stuff and then go explore the ship. So it was kind of a bummer carrying stuff around for a little bit. But it wasn't too long, really, by the time we finished lunch that 
we could go find our cabin and meet our cabin steward. And, um, and then they had orientation for the classroom, which was kind of a bummer because I really like being out on deck for sailaways and we were in the classroom, but totally amazed that you could not even feel the ship was moving. And the ship that we, you know, primarily have sailed on is a Panama Canal ship. Okay. So it's, you know, narrow and short and small and that sort of thing. And so the allure being so big and it's like, well, are we moving or are we not moving? <laughs> <It was laughs> kind of strange at times. Yeah, I there's there's two schools of thought on that. Some people love it like me. Like I prefer never to feel the ocean at once. I want to be like I love that idea. Other people really like the idea of motion in the ocean to them. That is part of the cruise experience and they get almost upset when there's not like a storm to run into or something like that. I mean, I don't again, not my cup of tea, but it is interesting. It's the, those big ships. I mean, you know, no, no ship is, you know, immovable in that sense, but uh, certainly being that size, it does help uh, quite a bit. So um, it's, it's, I, I think, you know, all things being equal, um, you know, if you have any concerns about, you know, motion in the ocean, it's probably your best bet in that regard. Again, nothing's nothing. There's no guarantees out there, but it is different. Well, and I absolutely loved it because I, when we first started cruising in the eighties, I was getting seasick every time. And it was like, we have to come up with a solution. And I tried it all. I, you know, I've tried the bands and the patches and the, this, that, and the other thing. And what I have really come across is the chewable uh, ginger tabs. I don't chew them. I put them in my cheek and it has made all the difference in the world. And um, I just had them with me and very seldom on the allure did I even need them. But I think it was after we came out of Costa Maya that things were starting to rock a while and just popped one of those tabs in. And in no time, both my friend and I were both feeling better and went on to do what we were doing. So I swear by the ginger tabs. I'm so glad to hear those work because, uh, you know, there's a lot of different strategies to manage, uh, you know, seasickness and, uh, Ginger is a ginger and green apples are something that a lot of people swear by as a great homeopathic, you know, light way mm-hmm. to deal with it. And I'm really glad to hear that. I wanted to ask you this, Tiffany. You mentioned you've been cruising since the 80s. And it's funny you mentioned that uh, because I just was uh, talking about this um, about an hour ago before we recorded about this. What strikes you the most? What's changed the most for you, Teresa, in your time of cruising between like cruising today in 2021? Versus when you first got started in the 80s. Was there, like, what's the biggest difference that you see? The dress code. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy getting dressed up. I'm a nurse, so for 40 years I've wore scrubs, Mm -hmm. which are basically pajamas. (laughs) And um, because I worked labor and delivery, I would wear a t-shirt and jeans to go into work. I would wear scrubs for a 12 hour shift and then on my days off, you know, whatever. I really enjoy, you know, getting a really nice dress. Um, early on, we actually rented tuxedos uh, for my husband because then he didn't have to worry about packing a suit and all that goes with it. It was, you know, just as easy to rent a tuxedo and, 
and for the most part, most of the men were would have tuxedos or dinner jackets and that sort of thing. And it was always a big deal. And, you know, I do think there's still a difference in the line. And Royal Caribbean is a much more casual line. But um, I get just the general formality, um, the midnight buffets, the chocolate buffet, um, just some of those special memories, the way that many times the back of the ship would be have all open decks. Mm. And so you could um, much more area to be outside where now, you know, they sell all that space as cabins, which I mean, that all makes sense, but um, you know, I miss the open decks to be outdoors more just wandering around. Yeah, there's been, I mean, everything changes. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we used to go on a, on a flight and we'd have to get dressed up. We'd have to take a shower. We'd have to get oh, like, dressed up for the flight, which today is crazy talk. <laughs> like, who would do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? But the same is true, true. The same is true of cruise lines. And, and it has changed. That's always that's an inevitability. But uh, I was just curious because, you know, listen, that's, you know, a lot has changed in the industry. And I think there was a sizable uh, difference when you're talking about cruising in the seventies and eighties versus once again in the nineties, I think cruising really became far more mainstream and they started really going more in that casual, especially the mainstream cruise lines. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's just something that, again, you brought it up that you mentioned it and I was like, you know what, that's a really good question. It has nothing to do with your cruise that you took, but you know, uh, it's, it is really interesting to me, the idea of how much has changed, you know, in the last 30, 40 years. And, and some of the things that, yeah, I was joking. You used to be able to shoot skeet off the back of a cruise ship. They would give shotguns yeah. to guests, which is yeah. just bananas. Why would you do that? Like now, if they said that, oh my God. <laughs> but back then, what, you wouldn't think about no it twice. Deal. Yeah, well, of course. Why not? It was fun to watch them. I mean, we'd go sit there and sure. would watch them. I never fired a firearm, so it wasn't anything I was ever going to try. But mm-hmm. it was like, oh, it was interesting to watch. Yeah. The other big change, not that we have really um, partaked in it, but is the whole dining and the specialty dining. Um, all of that has really changed where, and maybe because we started out in just going to the dining room, that's kind of where we've stayed for the most part. Um, we really have not explored much into specialty dining at all, but. Oh yeah, that's that's a big change in the industry. And I listen. I remember when back in my day, I remember when Royal Caribbean had two <laughs> specialty restaurants on a cruise ship, and that was a big deal. That was like, you know what, honey, we're going on a ship. It's got it's got chops and uh, portofinos at the time, and like two, you know. And if you want to count Johnny Rockets, okay, we'll throw that in there. But that was a big deal. And now, if you go on a cruise ship that only has two specialty restaurants, you'd be like, it only has two. So right. it it has definitely changed. I was I'm with you on the on on the dress code thing, Teresa. I don't think you have to wear tuxedos, but you know, dressing up is a nice thing. I'm with you. I don't get dressed up much, so I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, but I actually do like the change in special. I like the there, there's more choice. I just like having the choice. That's all. You know what I mean? And I love the main dining room as well. I still love going there. Well, and we have always thought that the food in the main dining room has always been great. So, you know, we have some future cruises coming up and if they 
actually cruise, we're looking at doing the three-day dining package just to try some. Yeah, that's a great uh, idea. You know, again, we have our options. Fantastic. All right, let's get back to, uh, sorry, this this <laughs> this week in cruise history. Yeah. So back-to-back cruise. Now, there's a lot that, that you're doing here with, with your, obviously, a back-to-back cruise um, in terms of the the things you can do on board. So um, what else stood out? Let's talk about the experience itself, doing the back-to-back. So end of cruise number one, start of cruise number two. Did it go as well as you thought? Worse? Better? How did? How was that whole experience? I was actually surprised how easy it went. Um, the last couple of days, you know, we had um, talked to our room steward and said, you know, my friend's going home, I'm staying on and switching cabins. And we had, let's see, we were midship on deck six and we were going up to eight. And um, she says, oh, no problem. And reviewed the fact that you don't have to pack up everything. You can leave the hanging stuff, just pack up what's on shelves and drawers and that sort of thing. And so the morning came um, to say goodbye to my friend and I had, you know, things packed up and because of our travel plans, I carried the big suitcase for my husband and I on my part of the trip. And so I had that and um, tote bags from the classes and, but I had it all just kind of piled together and she came and she said, okay, how many pieces are there? And there were four and she looked and counted the hangers in the um, wardrobe area And she said, you know, we'll just get that all moved. And she made sure, you know, she had the right cabin number. And so, you know, I walked Carol um, down and so we said our goodbyes and she went off the ship and I went to the, um, the showroom where they were having us wait. And eventually they came and they gave us our cards for our next, um, week um to get into our rooms and said that there would you know be a parade to you know get off the ship and when they were ready to go they had about eight wheelchairs and it was just like you followed the person ahead it's a single file line and we filed off the ship and um into the terminal and down through the luggage claim area which of course was empty at that point and through immigration and had our passport in our hand and we just, the line just kind of scrolled around and went right back on the ship. And once they scanned our card, we were good to go. And the nice part was because of being back to back, you can go right to your cabin. So I of course went looking for it and somebody said, are you back to back? And I said, yes, we're, I, we just changed cabins and I was hoping to kind of wash out a few things and put it on, you know, hang them out on the balcony and, but they hadn't finished cleaning the room. So I just, um, took a few things and by then my husband and my folks were calling, they had just gotten dropped off with the Uber. And so went to meet them and started showing them around, but it was way smoother than, and easy, even changing cabins, um, than I really thought it was going to be. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I, I mean, I think it's very, I've, I've had very good experience with it as well. And a lot of people get a little anxiety about how that all works, but they really make it super simple for you. So mm-hmm. glad to hear it was also the case for you. And, um, in the time we've got left here, 
Tell us about you went to a lot of different ports. What were your what was like maybe your one or two favorite ports you went to among the back to back cruises? I think overall it was um, on the second one when we went to Labadee Ooh, and yes. just, you know, that day at the beach and um, our kids had bought my grand or my parents, their grandparents, one of the clamshells. And so they got off the ship even before we did. And they had a front row clamshell. And it was just nice to have a place to, you know, throw our bags and get out of the sun and still you know it's easy to uh swim and our kids had also bought us the zip line uh for a christmas gift and so we went off to do that and but just that fun relaxed day of not having to do too much yeah labadee is it's been a favorite of mine for a long time and whether it's perfect day at kukuki or labadee I really like that idea of just, it's a very chill day. You're just taking it easy. It, everything's presented for you. You don't have to worry about where you're going to eat because mm-hmm. Royal Caribbean's providing it for you. You've got a lot of choices in what you can do. But it, at the end of the day, it's a beach day. It's a relaxing day. And I agree. I absolutely love that um, that that option. Any itinerary that we go to either of their private islands, I just, um, you know, that that's a easy slam dunk for me. I'm like, yes, please. Yeah, we were looking forward to doing Coco Cay in our transatlantic last November, which, of course, we all know how that ended. So mm. um, so I look forward to sometime getting to Coco Cay and being able to experience all that it has to offer. Yeah, well, that's why there's always more cruises to go on, right? <laughs> that's for sure. Awesome. Well, I, I really want to uh, I, re- I really want to thank you for joining us here, Teresa. This was a great story, and um, I really appreciate you uh, sharing your cruise story with us. Oh, no problem. Fun, always fun to talk cruises. Okie dokie, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I read the emails you've sent in, and you can send me in more emails. Send me in more send more emails to me by sending it to Matt at Royal Caribbean Blog.com. Matt M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean Blog.com. Our first email this week comes from Maxine Hayward, who writes, Good evening. Me and my partner are booked on cruises with yourselves. I think they mean Royal Caribbean. I wanted to ask, and I'm sorry to be so cheeky, but we've never been on a cruise before, and we've been told we need to contact the cruise line directly regarding the drink package. Uh, my partner doesn't need to have the full drink package like myself. This is where I get cheeky and ask if there's any offer for you to have uh, onboard credit for them. I would be grateful if you could offer assistance in purchasing the drink packages. So to get a drink package, and there's nothing cheeky about that. I looked it up in the British to American lingo dictionary, and cheeky is kind of like, you know, being a little... Uh, forthright, uh, so to speak. But no, this is totally cool, actually. What you can do, Maxine, is contact the cruise line. I'm not the cruise line. Sorry to tell you this. Do, do, do. We're sorry. The phone number you've tried to reach is no longer in service. Please try again later. That's an number. I don't think you guys have phones that make that notice when you get... Anyway, it doesn't matter. The joke's over. Um, what you need to do is call Royal Caribbean directly and explain to them, you know, you'd like to have the unlimited alcohol package, but your partner doesn't want one. They will allow you instead to get the non-alcoholic drink package for your partner. Um, The reason is you have to get drink package for everybody in the room. Unfortunately, too many people have used the rule in terms of before you would only be able to buy it for for yourself, Maxine, and your partner wouldn't. But a lot of people were like, oh, okay, well, I'll just buy it for myself and then I'll share the drink package with 
who knows what, my, my partner, my spouse, my kids, my, my friends, anybody. And it just got to a point where the abuse became too prevalent and Royal Caribbean had to put their foot down and institute the rule that required um, everybody to get it. And listen, Royal Caribbean was one the only cruise line that ha- that allowed it for a while to only be purchased by one person in a room. All the other cruise lines that had drink packages um, had the requirement for everybody in the room to get one, all the other adults rather, to get one if one adult gets it in the room. Um, so Royal Caribbean gave it a try. Just unfortunately, too many people, you know, broke the rules and it is what it is. So Maxine, thank you for your email there. Our next email is from Greg. Right, hi, Matt. My name is Greg Pouline from snowy Ontario, Canada. Long time listener, first time emailer. If you've ever wanted to take on the role of Royal Caribbean head cruise programmer, this question is for you. My wife and I have two back-to-back cruises on independence of the sea sailing from Miami, October 3rd to 9th and 9th to 17th. The first cruise is going to be a six-night Western Caribbean, second an eight-night Southern Caribbean cruise. Because of the CDC restrictions, we really don't expect the eight-night to go as planned. Now's your chance. As Royal Caribbean head cruise programmer, what would you make this eight-night cruise? Two four-nights, a five-night, a short three-nighter, one seven-night with an extra day in Port Miami? Where would you sail? How far can you realistically get a day sailing at top speed? I look forward to hearing what your choices would be. Thanks for everything you do. I love listening to your podcast, My Way to Work, each week. Greg, great email. You know, this is a really interesting question because honestly, when I heard about situations like this where the CDC has said under the conditional sale order, which extends through November of 2021, that cruises may not exceed seven nights, I would assume the easiest thing to do, when I say easy, I mean the path of least resistance for the cruise line is simply shorten the cruise. Go from eight nights to seven nights, chop off either a sea day or a port day, depending on how that extra night plays out. And that way, you don't have to rebook anybody. You might have to offer some sort of compensation. That's the only issue. But I think it's still better to keep the bookings you have than to cancel, you know, and then create, like Greg is saying, two four-nighters, a five- and a three-nighter. I mean, you get more revenue that way because you don't have a, a dead day in the middle, you know, that, that that missing eighth day. But, you know, we're a little close to sailing at this point, even though October doesn't sound that close. In the grand scheme of things, it is. And I think it's better to have the bookings they have than to try to then, then you know and, and chop chop off that one day, then to cancel everything like they, like they did with Quantum of the season Singapore, and then go forward. You know that being said, uh, I'm not sure um, what they will do because you know thus far Royal Caribbean has basically just put the pause. They hit the pause button on making this kind of a decision. I think first and foremost they're just trying to figure out okay whenever cruises actually do restart, we'll tackle this problem. It's like one of those we'll cross that bridge when we get there type of problem. There's no reason in noodling over this kind of a problem until we actually know we need to noodle over this kind of a problem. Um, again, the issue with, with going from eight nights to seven nights, you have that dead day, the extra day sitting in port where the cruise ship is taking up space. Um, it creates also a logistical issue of, um, you know, if there's another ship that's supposed to get in there, because of course it's not like parking lot at Target where you can just take another spot. There's limited spots. Can you get there a day early? That's another consideration. And as I'm talking through this, they might have no choice but to go with one of those other shortened ones. So I would say this, if logistically it's possible, if it's feasible to go for the seven night and chop off the day, I think that's the easiest one. But if they're looking at the schedule and like, listen, we can't because the, the, the terminal is booked up on that day when this ship and that ship and this ship on this day, you know, it might make more sense depending again on the schedule to do two four night cruises. I would imagine not a four night cruise. I could see the five and the three. That's been a uh, a sort of a pattern they've used before. But four night, I mean, they've done four night cruises. Don't get me wrong. They've also done mostly four and threes. You know, five and threes are a little nicer because you get the three. You can do the threes on the on the weekends. 
and the Five Nighters during the week. It could work. <laughs> so let me tell you, number one, I don't, uh, I've never had any aspirations to become the head cruise programmer. I think the scheduling people must be like, it must be one of the most toughest jobs in the world because it's just a constant struggle of trying to find, okay, how does this square peg fit into this circular hole because it just never seems to work but it's a good question greg thanks for the email next email comes to us from uh kathy curtis where i say matt i truly enjoy your podcast it's so nice to listen to cruising conversation especially during these times when we are unable to cruise it just puts one in a good mood to talk cruising our family sure misses it as so many others do my question is i'd like to put money down on a future cruise a seven to nine night cruise out of miami fort lauderdale on one of the larger ships we like Nassau and the Eastern Southern itineraries. Are you aware of any of out-of-this-world deals or great itineraries coming up? My husband is concerned that if we put money down, we may lose it for all coming goes bankrupt through this pandemic. You think we're safe to put money down for a future cruise? We have a family of five and get two rooms. Our kids are all adults. We're planning on taking a cruise for our 30th wedding anniversary during the, before the pandemic, that was. And, of course, now we're just postponing it until it starts up again. I was looking to see if you had any recommendations. We wouldn't be able to do anything till summer, but we'll be willing to go anytime after that. We really love the Oasis class ship, so looking for a great itinerary on one of those class of ships. Hoping you give me some direction. Thanks for your time. Kathy, great email. I would tell you this. If you're looking for the Oasis class, fantastic. There's not a ton of uh, itinerary variations with them. So what I would look for is a ship that goes, a sailing rather, that goes to both Labadee and Perfect Day at Coco Key. I think those are fantastic places. Of course, those are Royal Caribbean's private destinations. Lots to do there. Always a happy place to visit. And, and, and for those reasons, I kind of like going there. Um, I mean, you're not going to get longer than seven night cruises on oasis class Royal Caribbean has not yet moved them to do much more than that certainly not out of florida anyway and um, when you're talking about the oasis class you're talking about out of miami terminal a wonderful experience out of there probably symphony of the seas i would imagine would be your choice and uh it's just it's 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 such a great winner i mean you you can't go wrong with those cruises that go to both private destinations i think that's going to be a, a big win something nice to be able to do it also gives you a lot more value for things like your drink package your Wi-Fi package because you get to use them on the islands as well. They extend there too. So it's a really nice thing. You know, in terms of your husband's concern about, you know, what if Royal Caribbean goes bankrupt? I mean, you can make that argument out of almost any company out there. I get it. The cruise lines are in a slightly different situation because they've been shut down for a while. But I really believe that the cruise lines are going to be able to restart operations. And I think it's going to happen this year, quite frankly. They won't get to 100% this year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not predicting, you know, back. it'll be, you know, 2019 type numbers by the end of the year. But they're going to get back. It's going to be a slow road back, but they're going to get back. And more importantly, no bank wants to seize assets of a, of a cruise line. Like, talk about a useless asset, right? This isn't like, you know, the bank uh, taking your house back, right? And when you file for bankruptcy, because there's a ton of other people who will buy a house. Cruise ships aren't exactly in terrible demand right now. And I think the banks recognize that. So I think there's going to be a fair amount of flexibility with that. Now, to some degree, obviously, it's not. they're not just going to be giving away free money. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive enough to to believe that, but I really do believe that they're going to be in a much better situation come the end of the year. And I'd say that based on, quite frankly, what we're seeing right now with the vaccine and some of the progress being made. I really believe that we're going to see these numbers, the, the COVID numbers that has come down. I'm not an expert on this, guys. I, I'm far from it. I don't know what I'm talking about with anything related to health. I'm just repeating things I've seen, but uh, I, I feel pretty confident about that. Now, is there a chance a cruise line could go out of business? Of course there is. I think you have to acknowledge that. Is there a significant chance? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Is you know, but like I said, there's risk with everything. Nothing is a sure bet. For all you know, you know, I mean, even Disney World at some point could go out of business. Uh, very, very unlikely for it to occur, but it could, right? 
Um, so there's a little bit of risk involved. I would say that if your husband's truly concerned about it, I would also argue, hey, there's no real harm in maybe waiting another couple months, Kathy, and maybe wait till March or April to book that cruise, or better yet, book refundable cruise fare. If you book refundable, you know, and you have until your final payment date to really put money down. You're not out that much more money until you get the final payment date. So you get a lot, you get to lock in the price now, but you get a lot of runway to change your mind later. Um, and, you know, especially how things go with the with the shutdown and a variety of other aspects of life. You know, maybe you have a better uh, vision of the future there. But there's very little risk right now in just putting a deposit down. What I would say to your husband's point is maybe don't put, don't make final payment until literally, you know, the, the, that last day or two beforehand. Um, probably your best bet right there. Thank you to Kathy. Thank you to everybody for sending in emails. If you want your emails read, because we're running out of emails to read actually here on the podcast, at least emails that are from after the shutdown because I've got some wonderful emails about things that don't exist anymore from before the shutdown. But if you want me to read your email about anything related to Royal Caribbean, send me the email matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.